T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. We were going to have a guest here, David Keating. He's the president of the Institute for Free Speech. And this H.R. 1, a lot of people talking about the overreach there on this election reform bill. So what we're going to do is try to keep reaching David. Um, so we'll get him. Uh, we Sometimes this runs into a problem at night when we try to reach a guest, goes to voicemail or whatever it may be. So we'll uh, sometimes get lucky, sometimes we don't. So hopefully we'll have a guest on this hour to talk about it. Later this hour, too, is Mark Mix, the president of the National Right to Work Committee on the PRO Act, which would really eliminate in so many different states. There's 20-some states that have a right to work in place. This would just overwrite that. So what uh, is going on there and what does he think about it? So in the meantime, I wanted to bring up this story, and I thought this was such a cool thing. I know that a lot of times people argue, where does Yadier Molina stand when it comes to all-time greatest catchers in Major League history? Whenever I talk to people about Yadi that don't know much about him, because you get some of the more historic catchers of our time, if they played for the Yankees or, you know, if it's Pudge, because he was, you know, the Texans and, you know, Detroit in that region there for a while, people go back and look at that and say, oh, it's so great. But some of the more modern catchers that we've been lucky enough to see, I don't know why Yachty always goes under the radar except regionally here or if you're a baseball fan, but he didn't really, to me, cross over into everyone knew who he was like outside of this region to me i didn't know much about him until i moved here when i started to learn more about the cardinals and its history and its players but i wasn't a big baseball fan to begin with but i knew some of the other large catching names one of the interesting things about this is that when you start to get some other big names that can throw their name behind the statement of he's the greatest of all time that gets a lot more people paying attention. And two instances of that have just happened. Albert Pujols, of course, played with Yadier Molina for a long time. They first met back in 2004 when Molina began his long stretch and very successful stretch here in St. Louis as a Cardinal. And Pujols, of course, just unbelievable. One of the, the great talents to play in a Cardinal uniform, one of the great talents to play in Major League history. One of the great stories, really, when you think about where he was drafted so far down the line and then come out and be able to accomplish everything he's accomplished in his career. You can find the story at KMOX.com. Pool says, Yachty is the greatest catcher of all time. I posted something on Facebook a couple of years ago. 
is Yadia Hall of Fame catcher. And it was a 50-50 split. The people that lived here in St. Louis said, yes, he's a Hall of Fame pitch, uh, Hall of Fame catcher, excuse me. And the friends that I had living in Michigan or Ohio, they all said, no, he's not even the best catcher in Cardinals franchise history, which surprised me because they said a lot of people feel that way. You, you get a, a fan favorite, someone that's been with the clubhouse a long time, and you automatically think they belong in the Hall of Fame. I think Molina has all of the credentials, and he will be in the Hall of Fame. Is he the greatest catcher of all time? That could be another thing. But let me bring this out. When you get Albert Pujols that says he is, that means something. Something else happened in a very similar situation. Joe Montana has come out and said Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. When you're widely looked at as easily a top 10, probably a top five quarterback in the history of the league in that position, when he comes out and says Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, I think what that does is put some legitimacy behind it and people start to realize, okay, now I can a little bit more confidence when I say he's the greatest. 49ers legend, of course, he played with the Chiefs there for a little bit, but known for his time on the 49ers, said he's well aware of the debate. Who's better? Is it him or is it Tom Brady? Who's better? Uh, Peyton Manning or Diane Marino? Or you think of all the great quarterbacks that have played in the last you know, 30 years even. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Marino's resume is pretty good for Pro Bowl wins or, or four Super Bowl wins, I should say, eight Pro Bowls, two NFL MVP awards. But Tom Brady, seven championships, 10 Super Bowl appearances, 14 Pro Bowls, three MVPs. And even if you look at the yardage, Montana's career passing yards, 40,500. Brady is about to cross 80,000 career passing yards. <laughs> Double that. Isn't that weird? You think of these quarterbacks that have able to have just a strong arm or just a cannon of an arm. You think back of the Marinos and all of the yards that they threw and you you would think, oh, and you're mentally uh, Joe Montana's right up there. When you have a guy like him say Tom Brady's the best, you should listen to it. When you have a guy like Albert Pujol saying that Molina is the greatest of all time, you need to listen to him. All right, we're going to see if we can try to reach our guests, but it might not be looking good. Coming up a little bit later in the hour, as I mentioned, right to work, that's starting to come up. Maybe on a nationwide level, are we going to see that just completely off the table as a mute point, even local areas where it comes up every couple of years, like St. Louis? And people are not eating as many fruits and vegetables. Why is that? Also, counterpoint, there's a two and a half pound box of Reese's Cups that you need to know about. Isn't that great? We don't get excited about the fruits and vegetables, but you tell me about a two and a half pound Reese's cup. I'm all for it. So we'll talk about that coming up later, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. KMOX is St. Louis's news, talk, sports, radio. Welcome back to Overnight America. Oh, we couldn't reach our guest. I'm disappointed. So maybe we'll try to reschedule him for the future. Um, talking about the election reform bill that everyone's talking about right now. A lot of people upset about it. Just wanted to give an update when it came to the stimulus because we're getting daily updates. And it's a trap because whenever you see a headline, it may even be out of date because of the information that changes so quickly. And these websites are just raking in the clicks right now. They all love it. You put something about maybe the government might give you some money. Oh, I better click on that link. And it's just driving so much website traffic that people just know they're going to take advantage of your curiosity if there's something different there. But let me give you the latest. So there is still a pushback on this bill. There wasn't Republicans that voted on the $1.9 in favor because they realized there is so much junk 
that is put inside of it. And they want to see that junk cut out. However, some of the different things that they are noticing is that there's at least an agreement that the checks will be 1400 For a while there, they were pushing, oh, it's got to be 2000 because that's what the Democrats pushed leading into the election. They promised that and they said, oh, a vote for Joe Biden is an immediate $2,000 to you. Well, not so fast because it's not that way. I think that tonight, Chuck Schumer said it was even possible that you start to hear some debate. And I guess they could be debating it right now. I just haven't seen it, if that's the case. But I think they're going to be taking a break tomorrow because of some of the chatter of what could be going on in D.C. And they just want, you know, for the safety's sake of the people in Congress, they don't want to have to be in the middle of something like they saw on January 6th. But still, I think that what was uh, going down now is the Republicans are definitely going to vote no with all this stuff that's inside of it. So they start to scale back on a few things in hopes that they'll slowly dial back. And eventually when the dial hits the threshold, there'll be at least some that will flip over. Maybe one senator will. And I don't know how many will. It's just the one point nine trillion is just so much of a sticker shock right now, considering the economy is improving. We're seeing better numbers when it comes to investments. We're seeing more people getting jobs. It's just that when you have the restrictions starting to be lifted in Texas and Mississippi and other places where people are getting back to work, even places that have been pretty, you know, easy. They're the ones that have really ratcheted up the restrictions to begin with. They're even starting to dial back, which all indicates that the economy is going to be doing much better in the future when things are opened up. Is it really necessary, the $1.9 trillion and everything else that's inside of it, all the extras? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's necessary. And there's a lot of people still mentioning that we're not voting for it the way it is. So not so fast on those different checks. Uh, even if it's a split right down the middle, 50-50 in the Senate, you still have the tiebreaker going to the Democrats who control the uh, White House with Kamala Harris deciding that. But you could have a mansion that says, no, thanks. I don't want this $1.9 trillion that's going to go in all these different directions that don't actually fight COVID. Uh, and there were a couple of Republican senators that came out to talk about it. And Kansas Senator Roger Marshall, not a big fan of this relief bill. And what I don't want to see happen is to punish hardworking Kansans who we feel like we're trying, that we are being forced to bail out blue states who've overreacted and totally shut down their economies and shut down their schools. Look, over all this package is so full of pork, it smells like bacon. And now it's... Don't you like how they all try to sneak in as many of those quotes in hopes that they can trend on Twitter that way? Look at what this guy from Kansas said. Look, over all this package is so full of pork, it smells like bacon. It's so full of pork, it smells like bacon. All right, you got my attention. <laughs> and now it's dripping grease. Oh, now even grease is dripping from this thing. Normally, if it was the other way around, it would be the Democrats saying, you have blood on your hands. It's dripping blood. I like it better to say it's dripping grease. It's dripping grease. And that grease are Democrat projects like Speaker Pelosi's underground railroad project in the Silicon Valley and Senator Schumer's bridge to nowhere from his backyard into Canada, which have been bailed out by the parliamentarian now. But there's still lots of bad news. Radical Democrats still want to bail out mismanaged states at the expense of hardworking taxpayers with dollars that are being distributed in an unfair manner. For instance, my home state of Kansas is getting shorted $400 million. So we're doing taking $400 million from Kansas and giving it to some other state. But you know who the biggest loser is? The state with the shortest stick is the state of Georgia. They're going to be, they're having taken from them a billion, that's B 
fee is in boy billion dollars, over a billion dollars from the state of Georgia to move those dollars into some other state. I don't know how any congressman or senator from the state of Georgia could possibly vote for this bill. Now, alone, when they were trying to campaign in Georgia, they were talking about the Senate race and the presidential race. They said, if long as you put the Democrats in, you'll get your 2000. Trust us. We never lie. Scouts honor and behind their back. They had their fingers crossed when they said it, because obviously it's a foregone conclusion. You're not getting an individual payment of 2000. You're looking at 1400. And then even the uh, amount of the threshold of who would qualify for this, they've lowered it. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, it's better that they lower this. From the first stimulus bill, you could make, I think it was up to 100000 and then it started to teeter off, individually speaking. This bill looks like you can make up to $75,000, and it'll phase out at $80,000. Before, I think the Biden administration was even pushing two or $300,000 you can make as a household and still qualify for a stimulus check. If we're going to try to get this money to the people that is needs it the most— then I would say if you're making 200 grand or 300 grand a year as a family, um, maybe you're not struggling right now. I feel like you could probably figure out things with 300 grand to work with, right? No, it's a lot different than the person making 30 grand or 40 grand or 50 or 60 or whatever. Even when you start to get to that range, you know it'll be used in a way depending on how big the family size is because you might have other obligations for kids. Uh, think of everything that's been disrupted in a family. You may have the individual portion of things that have changed. Hopefully you still have a job, but let's say you have kids and you have to worry about daycare. You have to worry about um, anything. You know, there's, there's all uh, extra food, uh, electronics, things like that, that may be necessary for their schooling that the school may or may not offer. But in general, I think that if you say $80,000, you can still qualify for this. That shouldn't be a big shock to too many people. Actually, I think that is a pretty good compromise in a number. In fact, that might even be higher than what is necessary. If anything, they should be looking very conservatively of how to handle this because we just know we can't afford it. We just pretend we can afford it, but we know we can't. Different lawmakers signal that, hey, at least this is some compromise, so then you should be prepared to pass everything else. The $1.9 trillion with all the other junk inside of it. Hey, don't worry. We dropped the uh, threshold for the chucks, so now you can do everything else. No, 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 no. That is not good. I think really harping on Georgia right now is the key because all of the people in Georgia need to realize that they've been lied to by all of the different politicians who said all of this would be different as long as they put a Democrat in office, which they did. Uh, Manchin pushed for checks to phase out after $50,000 in income, the House draft, 75000 So Manchin really is the Democrat that everyone's looking at in the Senate because he could be the thing that tips it one way or the other. If he decides to go against this and all the other wasteful spending, then it's a mute point. Then they're going to have to look at other ways to do it. I guess more of the debate is what we'll have to keep our eye on. And that's where it sits as we speak. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a look at your weather here in a couple of minutes. I wanted to just bring a couple of uh, programming notes to you before we get to your weather. And our guest is Mark Nix. He's the president of the National Right to Work Committee. We'll let him say his piece on the PRO Act, which is being floated out there when that would severely limit and eliminate even the states that have decided to put the right to work into place. It comes up once in a while, even in the last couple of years here in St. Louis. It was pushed down pretty quick. Don't get me wrong, but still, it's a thing that people will bring up. 
tomorrow night on the show, we're going to be airing my Robert Highland documentary. It was the first documentary I created when I started to go back into the archives. And the purpose of the documentary was to highlight the accomplishments of Robert Highland, the general manager of KMOX, starting back in the 50s up until his passing in the early 90s. On Friday, it'll be 29 years since we've lost him. And I thought Thursday night, this would be an opportunity for us to replay his documentary. It's also a, a fair amount of history of KMOX over the years and the different contributions that KMOX had to the radio industry and the personalities and the, the amazing personalities of the people that worked here and the stories, so many different stories. So we'll do that tomorrow night on the show. You can actually listen to it now. The podcast, it, it's been saved and podcasted. So if you go to KMOX.com in the podcast section, it should be there if you do a quick search or scroll back. But tomorrow we're just going to air it live and you can sit back and relax and enjoy it. If you've already listened to it, but it's been a few months since you've heard it, you know, we last played it. I don't know what month, but easily probably four or five months ago now, maybe even longer than that. If you um, listen to it then, but you haven't listened to it in a while, this will be great because it's like listening to it all over again. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So that is tomorrow night. Just a quick programming note that we'll be able to do that the last two hours of uh, the show here. All right. Uh, our guest, Mark Mix, is coming up right after the break. This is Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinals Open Live. Sponsored in part by Norm's Mark and Barn and Wilkie Windows. On your voice in the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. St. Louis is a big union city and this region, whenever it comes up to vote, the right to work, it seems to be voted down. But that doesn't mean other areas of the country find it appealing and don't find it appealing. They may vote for it differently. That's kind of the nice thing about right to work is that you can bring it to the people and they can decide for themselves. Joining us now is the president of the National Right to Work Committee. Mark Mix is joining us on the PRO Act that's coming up. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming on tonight. 
Ryan, good to be on with you. Thanks for the opportunity um, and uh, appreciate the chance to talk about something that looks like it's going to happen in the House of Representatives next week. So you're right on top of these things. Yeah, this will be good to discuss tonight. And so people can get a better idea from it. And even though people here in St. Louis won't vote for the right to work, there's a lot of other states and areas that have voted for it. And the fact that they may try to wipe out these labor laws in 27 states should be very concerning to people and just a a quick blanket legislation. So can you explain what's going to be coming up uh, next week? Yeah, we're looking at uh, a debate on a bill that has had no committee hearings and no markup. It's just went in, it got introduced, it was referred to committee, and, and it looks like it's going to be on the House floor next week, according to Majority Leader uh, Steny Hoyer. The bill is really an amazing piece of legislation. It's, uh, uh, it contains about seven or eight really major provisions of labor policy reform. And I use the word reform with my finger quotes because they're basically going back to the 1930s and the industrial policy that was imposed on the United States under the Wagner Act in the FDR administration uh, back then, you know, that was when the federal government basically said, we're going to take labor management relations and we're going to bring it back to Washington and we're going to control it from here and take it away from the states. And the first try by Roosevelt was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, but then Roosevelt threatened to pack the court. That's kind of a, a thing that's come back. History often doesn't, doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it rhymes sometimes, Ryan. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, uh, in 1937, the Supreme Court ruled that this national labor policy policy imposed on the states by the federal government was constitutional. And since then, we've had a federal labor policy that basically says you can be fired from your job if you don't pay dues or fees to a union. In 1947, Congress looked at what they'd done in 1935 and and was upheld in 37 and said we went too far. And so in 1947, they passed the Taft-Hartley Act, which allowed states, it gave states the permission, if they could, by affirmative vote, they could pass what are now known as right-to-work laws. 27 states have done that. Five states have done it in the last nine years. Uh, It got through the the, uh, Missouri legislature, obviously, and unfortunately, uh, the the biggest uh, supporter of the bill, Eric Greitens, didn't end up being the governor at the time that the bill was in front of the people of St. Louis and, and of course, Missouri. Uh, So it's kind of an interesting history in your state. But, yeah, those states, 27 states, five in the last nine years, have passed right-to-work laws. And if this PRO Act is passed, which I suspect they'll pass it in the House. They usually don't bring things up unless they have the votes to pass it, and particularly this quickly. Um, This would wipe out all 27 right-to-work laws, and it would make it impossible for states to pass laws even if they wanted to. Uh, because the federal government would say, okay, we're taking we're taking the power, the, the privilege back from the states that we gave to them back in 1947. So that's the first part of the bill. There's lots more in it, but that's the one that bothers us the most for sure. Well, Okay, so let me ask, is this just affect federal workers or government workers or would this affect everyone else that would be part of a union that's not a representative of, you know, them representing themselves against the government? Yeah, great question, Ryan. Actually, every single government worker in America has right to work protections. We won a U.S. Supreme Court back in 2018 in June 27th. The Supreme Court ruled that the First Amendment protected every single government worker at all levels of government, from the lowest levels of government to the highest levels of government, and it gave workers the right to choose whether or not they wanted to financially support labor unions. So the public sector is completely right to work. We have a national right to work law for all government sector workers. Interestingly enough, this the, the government workers, the public sector workers are covered by their state law. So what we're talking about here with the PRO Act is all private sector workers in the country. The National Labor Relations, Relations Act covers private sector workers across the entire nation. So it would be private sector workers who would be compelled now to pay dues or fees to a union to get or keep a job if this bill passes. 
Okay, and this is uh, very concerning to a lot of different people that have supported right to work. It's different in cities like St. Louis where there's huge opposition against it. It's a old school mm-hmm. union city, but when we're talking about areas that have passed this and they wanted to pass this, and I, I think it, there probably needs to be some sort of a distinction here because it doesn't mean that if you want to be in a union, it prevents you from being part of that union now, does it? Not at all. And thank you for saying that, Ryan. That's important because in the right to work states like Alabama and uh, and Iowa and Michigan and Wisconsin and Indiana, they all have higher union densities in the state of Missouri. They have more union members and a higher union density as a percentage of their workforce than Missouri does. But yet those workers, they voluntarily choose to support the union. That's all this is about. I mean, the bill that passed in Missouri, the bill that's passed in the five states that now have right-to-work laws over the last nine years are very simple. It simply says you have the right to join a union. You can participate in the union any way you want. You can give your entire paycheck to a labor union if you choose to do so. But you can't be fired from your job if you don't want to pay union dues or fees. Yeah, I I don't like the idea whenever the government says, hey, um, you don't know what's best for you, so we need you to get in line with what we think is best for you. And in this case, if you're forced to be inside of a union, you're not allowed to even think about leaving that union, even if you think it's best for you. And those options that were given to individuals in those states that have passed right to work, um, I think that it is important to note that what it is doing is allowing people to exclude themselves from it if they wanted to. And I would point out, and I would also argue, if the union benefits are so good and the representation is so good, you wouldn't want to leave that union. Um, If they are bad, then you do want to leave that union and you should have the option to do so as opposed to being forced. And let me point out another thing, Mark. Um, In today's economy and the way everything is, the answer can't always be, well, you can you should just be you should just leave your job and find something else. If you don't like that union job, go somewhere else. That shouldn't be the answer to every work dispute when it comes to things like unions. Um, you should be able to keep a job you like. They should be able to retain you. And I'm sure the employer would be just fine retaining you with or without union representation. It doesn't affect them all that much. This should be something that should be welcomed when it comes to choice of your own employment. Well, I agree, Ryan, and and certainly you look no farther than just the kind of current events, the Keystone XL pipeline. Here you have a union-only construction job where the union officials here in Washington, D.C. use union money to endorse a man for president that on the first day in office signs an executive order that puts all those union members out of work. If you're one of those union members and you're from Missouri or you're from a state that doesn't have a right to work law, you have no option except to continue to pay that union for having them help someone to put you out on the unemployment line. That's really ridiculous. And then, you know, for St. Louis and Missouri, you think about the United Auto Workers Union. Eleven of the uh, officials of the the UAW have gone to jail or on their way to jail. And it was the region, that St. Louis region, where Gary Jones came out of, where they were simply just stealing money. According to the federal prosecutor up in Michigan, they were stealing union members' money. And if you're a union member, you'd like to be able to hold those people accountable. And one way you do that, is to buy voting with your pocketbook. And that is just, that's about as, as simple as it gets. If someone does something you don't like, you shouldn't have to financially support them in order to keep your job. 
I think there's a lot of people that are just happy with the job they have. They're happy with a union job because, you know, whatever benefits that come along with it or the protections that come along with it, they think it's a good trade off. Um, but then there's a lot of people that look at the representation they have and say, what am I actually paying for? Uh, what are they using my money for? And is it really representing me? And when you have that sort of mindset that they might not be the the best use of your money, then you think, OK, it what is it what what is my benefit if the benefit is nothing and you're either forced to find a new job because you don't like it or whatever or you have an option to just opt out of that union and continue to work your job i you know to me the the choice is pretty clear there's a lot of people that i think have benefited from the right to work and it's unfortunate that the federal government would think that you don't you don't have an option. You shouldn't have an option and you shouldn't be able to make these decisions for yourself. That's that to me is one of the more concerning things. Yeah, Ryan, and you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's this kind of just sit down and take it. We, we, you're not smart enough to figure this out on your own. Um, I don't believe that. You don't believe that from what you just said. But your point is it, to simplify what you said, and it's just absolutely right. A good union doesn't need compulsion. They don't need to force people to join them if they're doing and providing services on the shop floor. If they're out there playing politics and they're out there uh, supporting causes that rank-and-file union members don't like, and that's really kind of the injustice, and that's where it shows itself so dramatically. I mean, this Keystone Pipeline thing is you, you look at now these union, these union members, these pipe fitters and plumbers and operating engineers and, and building trades members who had promises of a good job. I mean, of course, you know, now they call them they were just temporary jobs. But every construction job and even your job and my job, Ryan, is temporary to the degree that we continue to do it well. Um, but – the bottom line is, you know, their answer to your point, even going back a little bit earlier, it was, well, they can all get other jobs in like the, what, sustainable, they can build solar panels. I mean, come on, that's not an option. <laughs> and what we ought to do, yeah, what we ought to do is we ought to give workers the ability to hold unions accountable. That's what this is all about. I mean, the bakery that's down the street from the radio station there, if it was the only bakery in town, there would be no incentive for them to make the best pastries or to make the best bed because everyone had to buy their bread or pastries from that bakery shop. That's what unions have decided to do. They've got the government behind them, giving them monopoly power over workers. And that just doesn't make any sense. And it won't last. It won't last. Yeah. Uh, Mark Mix is joining us, president of the National Right to Work Committee. And this comes up a lot in St. Louis. I mean, the, the people fight it, but it, it'll never go through, I think, um, just based on the uh, the way that the, the city is. And that's fine. I mean, every city, they have this opportunity to go out and they bring it to the people and the people make a vote. This is something that should be concerning if you're going to do a blanket regulation, federally speaking, and just overseed any of the, the local votes that have that have gone through on this uh, just on that standpoint alone should concern a lot of people. Yeah, indeed. And, and, you know, you think of, you think of the constitution and the bill of rights and we get through, through the first 10 and the, you know, actually in essence, they're really negative rights. They're things, they basically stop the, the federal government from doing these things from, you know, ending free speech and, and, and appointing religion and, and stopping someone from associating with, with something they support. And the 10th amendment was pretty clear. And it, I don't think the constitution said that government should be forcing people to join private organizations in order to work in America. You know, when, when the Supreme Court ruled in our Janus case that had impacts over all government workers, they literally, Ryan, got to the First Amendment. They said this is a violation of people's First Amendment rights, this idea that you have to pay a private entity for the privilege of working for your own government. And while we could make the case 
and, and it was limited to the public sector in that Supreme Court case, obviously the next step is to, to basically push for the same rights, the same First Amendment rights. I mean, it just, it's amazing to, to believe, and I think Democrats believe in this and Republicans believe in it, it doesn't really matter if it's partisan, the right to associate presupposes the right not to associate. You can't have the, the freedom to associate if you don't have the right not to associate. And so it gets to a really simple issue. But to your point, it doesn't stop anyone from participating in union if they choose to do so. It's really a really simple issue. Yep. Okay. So if people wanted to learn more about what's going on in this legislation that's coming through, and you said the PRO Act, it it may be getting another vote next week. Yeah, it looks like it's going to come to the floor next week for passage in the House. It, there were no hearings held, no, no markup, none of that regular work that goes oh, on with so legislation. No it went, got, yeah, got introduced, and it's going right to the House floor, we believe, next week. And it has this provision to repeal all the right-to-work laws. It has binding arbitration where the federal government will impose contracts on private businesses. It's basically virtually trying to eliminate the secret ballot election for union certification, and, and it would go to card check elections, which is a really uh, kind of intimidating exercise for most workers. They get to a card put in their face and say, sign it, and that's a vote for a union. It includes uh, dramatically changing gig workers and independent workers and freelancers across the country by imposing a California standard that makes Uber and Lyft drivers employees as opposed to independent contractors. There's a lot in there, and they can find out more about it at our website, nrtwc.org, nrtwc.org. NRTWC, so right to work. Dot org. So what NRTWC, what's the, what's the acronym there? Yeah, Maybe I'm missing it. That's, that's National Right to Work Committee. National Right Com- to Work Committee, NRTWC. Uh, gotcha. And people can find it uh, right there. And, and I didn't realize there's so much more to that PRO Act and all of it being bundled. That just seems to be the MO lately. They bundle as much as they can into the coronavirus uh, deal that's coming through and all this junk and the, the waste that's in it. Bundle everything you can in together, and this is concerning. Our, our government shouldn't act this way. I think all of those have their own merits of debate that should be happening, as opposed to just putting a laundry list of whatever your uh, you know partisan things are and just trying to get a party line vote for it. That's the, that's one of the big problems that we have in politics right now. And the Pro Act not excluded from it. So, Mark Mix, President of the National Right to Work Committee, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX tonight. My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Very interesting there. Uh, we'll have to follow up next week and see how that uh, vote goes on the PRO Act. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Are fruits and vegetables boring? I was trying to think about this because i like fruits and vegetables i just don't eat a lot of them and i probably should i drink a lot more water than i used to there was a comedian that brought up he said when i was in college i didn't drink water once (laughs) i thought i am just like that i don't ever remember drinking water when i was a kid or a teenager or in college it wasn't until well after that time And now that's all I drink is water and coffee are the two things I drink all the time. And I always have a nice cup of uh, water with me during the show. I normally fill it up during the news breaks at the start of each hour. But are fruit and vegetables just too boring? And there's a story at KMOX.com that said only one in 10 Americans are getting the recommended amount each day of vegetables. Americans are eating vegetables once a day and fruit even less than that. 
in the story at KMOX.com says fruit and veggies disappearing from American diets. I'm a fan of fruit and vegetables. You know, I, I feed my kid the right way. I wake up in the morning. I make him breakfast and there's two different breakfasts we make. One day it's a bagel and cream cheese because he loves it. And the other day it's scrambled eggs and we rotate back and forth, back and forth. That always comes with two servings of fruit. Normally it's strawberries and blueberries or raspberries and blueberries. And then he gets a vitamin, little chewy gummy vitamin, and he drinks water. And that's his breakfast every morning. He probably eats more fruit than 85% of the American population, if I had to guess, because he gets it every day. I do not eat it every day. There's a few reasons why. One, it's boring. And two, I just don't find myself buying a lot of fruit because it takes time. I'm a lot more inclined to do what is easy, but I'm not opposed to it. If it's out, like let's say there's a company luncheon and there's fruit out there. You better believe I'm picking out a bunch of pineapple, probably the best of all fruits, the pineapple. I don't know if there's a better fruit, honestly. Pineapple number one. And I'm going to put it on my plate and eat it. But when I'm at the house, what am I going to do? Chop up fresh pineapple whenever I want. It's like a special occasion thing. And then the temptations of everything else. Do you ever go online and notice that all of these ads start popping up once you look at one thing on the Internet? Today, I was considering ordering pizza from Domino's for dinner for the family. We ended up not going that route. But I looked up Domino's pizza. And how about that? All ads for Domino's pizza after that. I don't ever see ads for fruits and vegetables <laughs> outside of Chipotle saying, why don't you add guacamole on top of your bowl of fried stuff? That's the only time I see anything. A little bit of avocado on top of it as an upcharge. But it's it's not appealing to me. You know what is appealing to me? Well, here's a blog that's talking about how Hershey's is bringing back the two-and-a-half-pound box of Reese's Cups. You can buy it directly from the factory. Shows up at your doorstep. Reese's Factory Direct. Two-and-a-half pounds of Reese's for $30. Does that interest you? That interests me. <laughs> that's much more exciting. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's some of the best. It, uh, candy, in particular Halloween candy, the type that people will you know, buy in mass and then hand out. Man, a Reese's cup is the uh, is the best. Better than Hershey's uh, chocolate. Better than M and M's. Better than Smarties. Don't care all the other stuff. It's good, but man, Reese's is the gold standard. Chocolate and peanut butter. Are you kidding me? Or how about this one? This uh, again appeals to me. Oh, Taco Bell's introducing a couple of new items into their lineup, and they're testing it in California right now. Let me tell you about these two items, and you tell me if these sound better than fruits and vegetables. One item is what they're called crispy cheese dippers. It's essentially fried cheese that you would find at the fairs. I love fried cheese. I think A&W has some of like the fried cheese balls and stuff. Some other places will sell them. The other one is a crispy cheese nacho fries. It's a bowl of fries that they put what looked like uh, sour cream, cheese, beans, and diced up tomatoes with... On, with the fries included is the crispy cheese dippers. That oh, sounds awesome to me. Oh, it sounds so good. If you could market fruits and vegetables the same way that you market a crispy cheese nacho fry from Taco Bell, I'm in. But when I'm going through the drive-thru, I'm going to be eating what sounds good, not what is good for me. I don't know what needs to change. When it comes to my kid's diet, I'm not feeding my kid that junk. <laughs> I know better. As an adult, I can do that to myself. But for my kid... I always have it for him. 
Don't have it for me. Maybe I should start taking my kid's diet and eat that way. I should I should eat like a six-year-old. Would that be the best way to handle it? At least I drink water and I don't drink a lot of soda. It's just the coffee. That's the only other thing. I feel like if I'm allowed one thing, that should be it. There's some other places, too. I know McDonald's is going to do more plant-based, and they have the Beyond Meat or whatever at Burger King with the Whopper. I'm not opposed to those things. I, you know, it, it's it's just not as good as the regular, but I'm not opposed to it, just like I'm not opposed to fruits and vegetables. You can find that at KMOX.com if you want to see the story about we're eating less and less and less. And, and now I'm staring at a picture of a pizza from Domino's on my computer screen, not vegetables, and that's fine with me. You know, my mom used to try to build pizza as a health food because she said, you know, it's got tomato sauce, so tomatoes are good for you, and cheese is pretty good for you. So, yeah, it's kind of like a health food. God love you, Mom. This is Overnight America, (laughs) KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 